Hey guys, welcome to the Mom Voice. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. With seven kids between the two of us, we know what a wild ride parenting can be. But that it's also the most rewarding job any of us will ever do. As longtime best friends, we've been together for a lot, helping each other all along the way. And now we're sharing our journeys with you, letting you in on our day-to-day to hear what's working in our homes and what's not. Each week, we'll be sitting down to talk all the things, from parenting to TV, relationships to self-care. We'll cover it all. So whether you're a stay-at-home mom or empty nester, join us here to get informed and help your family thrive. Together, we'll figure it all out. Welcome to your Mommy Morning Show. Before we get started, I want to talk to you about Gab Wireless. My nine-year-old daughter recently got a Gab phone for the very first time. She had had the Verizon Gizmo, but there were just a few too many limitations on that. And as her activities increased outside of the house with dance and other things, I really needed a way to text her, communicate with her. So we made the decision to go with the Gab phone, and we've been really, really happy with it. It looks and feels just like all the popular phones on the market today. But the nice thing about Gab is there's no internet, no games, and no social media. I think we all know what a growing problem the internet is for our children, especially when it's right there in their phones. So while you're listening to this episode, make sure to go check out Gab Wireless. They have the smartphone and then the Gab Watch as well. We know your kids will like it, and you can feel safe about what you're providing as well. Again, that's Gab, G-A-B-B, wireless.com. And then when you're at checkout, make sure to enter code MOMVOICE for $25 off your order. Okay, guys. Well, we're so excited to have a guest joining us today. We're super pumped about this one because you've heard us say before that teens is just a topic that we just don't always have a ton of advice to give. We're not really there yet. Right, Lauren? Right, right. Um, We're getting there, approaching it. So when we found Sammy, Sammy Halverson is here with us. Say hi. Hi. Hey, Sammy. <laughs> Welcome. Um, we just had to jump on this. We had to invite her on to come talk teens with us. Sammy is the mother to four children, ages 7 to 14, and she's also a podcaster um, of the Teen Life Coach podcast. She is a certified life coach. And Sammy, tell me what a life coach is. Yeah, that's such a good question. I actually just did a podcast episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because people are like, what is coaching? And I I have been in therapy in so many different times in my life. And just, I mean, therapy has been invaluable to me. And um, like college, I had a therapist to help me with things that were going on in college. Now I'm raising kids who all have anxiety. One has severe OCD. And so now I have a therapist who's helping me learn how to raise a child with severe Mm -hmm. OCD. And so I just, I think therapy is amazing. Um, My last stint in therapy, my therapist was kind of like, well, you're good. And I was like, okay, but yeah, like now what? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Right. Like what am I supposed to do with my life? Yes. And that's where life coaching came in for me is like it, it answered all those questions for me. Like, okay, this is what I am. This is what my life has been. Now, how do I take all these things and live the life that I want to live? Okay. And so I think coaching is more kind of like future focused and really having a really good foundation, a framework and some skills to really help you live the life that you want to live and 
have the results in life that you want to live. So like if you want to get into a certain college, like life coaching can help you with that. If you want to have more friends, if you want to just have less anxiety when you show up to school in the morning, like there's a foundation and a framework um, inside life coaching that really helps you to figure out how to get those things that you want. Oh, so oh, cool. I love it. So we all little, need a life coach. Uh, like this, right? hearing that, that is like the, like the principle of it all. And what? so you would say it's a little more like directed or focused than counseling on like specific things you're trying to overcome. Yeah. Or, and and yeah. well, yes, exactly. And yeah. I work with teens specifically with anxiety, cool. right? Yeah. And so I, my programs are based on how to help teens have less anxiety in yes. their lives and be able to do the things that they want to do, which is like, they just want to have more friends. They want to be able to go to social activities. They want to be able to initiate conversations with people, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, a lot of teens, they don't have those skills. And so they end up isolating and avoiding things and distracting themselves with like social media and video games and all the things that teens do. Like we do them as adults too. It's not just teens. Like, <laughs> Oh yes. It's a coping skill that they think they're, yeah, distracting and like, right. But it's so true. We all do it. I know. We actually had a guest on a little while back, um, the Jenny Commenda episode. And I will never forget, she talked about numbing activities and just things that like, isn't that what she Z- said? Zone just zoning out. out. Yes. And it was when kind you just want to like concepts. ignore the reality and you yes. just kind of zone out. Yeah. Well, I love what you do, Sammy. I'm so excited to talk to you today. And like she said, we are going to focus on anxiety in teenagers. And I mean, me personally, I deal with anxiety. I always have really badly in my teen years. It came on hard and heavy. And it's just been a lifelong battle where just like you said, I've been in and out too of like getting help and things like that. And I do think as a mother, this topic like haunts me a little bit because I just, oh, it's like those things that you know how hard it is personally and you just don't want it passed on to your children. And it's like, how do I not do that? Or I don't know. It seems very overwhelming for me. So I'm so glad we found you. Do you think it is genetic? Oh, yes. I think that there is a really strong genetic component when it comes to specifically anxiety disorders. Um, But as a general population, we all experience anxiety on a certain amount, on a certain level. Totally. So like anxiety is very normal for us just because of the way that our brains are wired and the way that our brains work and keep us alive. There's a lot of brain yes, education. like neuroscience. That, totally. To, to help us understand anxiety. But especially with teens, because of the way that their brain is developing, they are so much more susceptible to mental illness and anxiety and other disorders in their teens. And that's usually when we have our first experience with a mental illness is is in our teens. Right. And can you expand on that at all? Like what's different about a teen brain? Yeah, there's like an adult puberty brain. kind of triggers certain yeah. hormones or I, I all yeah, chemicals that kind of like, per, yeah, propel that. Yeah, there's there's all of that going on, but there's also the there's this part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex. And in a teen that is developing and you know, girls, 
that part of their brain is developed a little bit sooner than boys, but usually that part of the brain isn't fully developed until like 22 to 25. And so a lot of our wiring of our brains, like we... And correct me if I'm wrong, the prefrontal cortex, that's like the logical decision-making, right? Yeah. and It's where you kind of process and... Yeah. And that, yeah. that's the part of, that's the part of your brain that is your higher thinking yes. part of your brain where when that part is still developing, you are relying on the lower part of your brain, which is, you know, the fight or flight response yeah, or the part of your brain that really just wants to keep you safe, save energy and have fun. And the more <laughs> emotional parts of your brain. The probably, emotional part. right? Is that the emotional part? Is that, would I, that be or no? No. I don't no. know if I would call it the emotional okay. part of the brain. Yeah. I typically just refer to it as the, the, low, fun, yeah. the, the lower part, part of, of the, the brain. brain. It's it's the fun part of the brain. It's also the brain that part of the brain that wants to save energy, mm. right? And it's also the part of the brain that really wants to kick in those survival instincts where if you feel an emotion like anxiety, that's an emotional predator. And so you really want to get away from that emotional predator where we don't have the higher brain to kick in and be like, okay, hey, I don't really need you to protect me right now. Nothing bad is going to happen. Right. And so, and without like getting into like all the parts of the brain and I'm obviously not a doctor. <laughs> no, but you're very smart. Oh my goodness. But um, just that developing prefrontal cortex part of your brain really affects how how we handle certain situations in our lives and how we think about situations in our lives. Yeah. Processing. And I think it is important to to focus a little bit on the biology as a parent and understand kind of what's going on chemically and all of that development. Like I didn't know it was that long. 22, did you say? 25 something? Yeah, 22, 25. fully developed. Because I mean- Really, anxiety exists in our biology to protect us, right? Like that's what it came from is we have past experiences and then eventually your brain tries to prevent it from happening again, which leads to anxiety. And so anyway, but getting back to the question, you do think genetics play a big role here? Oh, for sure. Like my my kids have all been blessed with anxiety because of me. <laughs> oh. No, and so there's no hope though. for mine. No, she's been very proactive, and that's the thing. I think that's the the brilliant thing here that we can get in front of it, and you can be proactive, and you can be aware of that, especially if you know what's kind of in your family. Yes. I think, like you, we were talking off the mic for a quick second, but like let's circle back around to what is teen anxiety? Anxiety, because I was loving what you were telling me because. Man, teenage years, high school, it's a lot. There's so much emotional, like, pandemic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the pandemic. Wow. They have a whole new (sighs) slew of things to deal with. So, like, how does teen anxiety look right now in 2022? Like, what is teen anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think the best way for me to describe to you guys and the listeners today is just with this simple definition. Anxiety really is uncertainty about the future. Yeah. Okay. And so if if I were to like dive into a teen brain and look at all the uncertainty that they have on a day-to-day basis, like who am I going to eat lunch with today? Who's going to be mad at me today? Which one of my friends is going to tell a lie about me to 
somebody else, Ugh. right? Like, yes. um, how am I going to do on this text in the next class? Like, am it's like, in, and that's just kind of like in a school setting, but with teens, it's like, if their parents are going through a divorce or their parents are arguing at home, it's like, are my mom and dad going to fight at home today? Or like, whose house am I supposed to be going to today? Or just like, there's so much uncertainty in in our lives in general, but like in teens, I feel like it's just such a concentrated amount. And I think we might get into this, but like, especially with social media, like we know everything that's going on, right? It's not like somebody just says something bad about you anymore. It's like they say something bad about you and then it's all, it's all over social media, right? So it's just, it's just a constant, we get that concentrated hit of, um, the consequences of something being like maybe really small to it just being so much bigger. And I I can remember being deep in it at like 15 and just remembering feeling so like paralyzed almost. And it felt like I would never not feel the weight of the world on me. You know what I mean? It just felt like so consuming in the moment. And if I could look back at my 15-year-old self, I would, I just want to say high school is but a blip in your life. Like just, you know what I mean? Like, but I think when you're in it and like that rational brain is not developed yet, everything as a teen is just so big. It's so magnitude. Yes. Like everything is just next level and it really feels like, yeah, the end all be all. Right. All consuming. And like, if I were to look back to things or people who I was so consumed with back then who just like kept me torn up. It's like, you're not even going to see them after graduation again, (laughs) you know, and I haven't, it's crazy. Do you find for teens um, that the stress and anxiety comes from more academics, social, or is it home, home life? Yeah, it's actually all of them. A lot of the teens I work with, they have social anxiety they have performance anxiety. Some of them are athletes. Some of them are like really hard driven teens who want to accomplish a lot of things. You know, the perfectionist type that I may or may not be one of. (laughs) Yeah. So it's the social, it's the performance, you know, tests, sports, whatever. Um, it can be at, at family in family home situations too, like kids who are going through whose parents are going through a heartbreak, like that causes a lot of anxiety also. Um, And it can just be generalized. Um, One of the things that, you know, the teens really struggle with that are having a lot of anxiety is really trying to control the way that other people think about them. Right. And that's a, that's a big one for anxiety. Like anxiety loves to breed in an environment where we want to control what people think about us. Also, we want to control others' opinions about us. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, right. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Oh. Like, yes. we really want to control what people think about us. And and there's also a lot, of, a lot of other things that, you know, teens with anxiety, they want to control. But unfortunately, there's a lot of things in life that we can't control and a lot of oh. circumstances in life that we can't control. And so then the next step is like, okay, these are the circumstances in life. Um, then how how do we deal with them so that we feel better? No, I think, man, what you just said, I, I think we like, as women especially, I think we so get consumed in what people think of us. I think men, boys don't care as much, but as girls, we just so, we really care about other people's opinions. And I think it took me to my, 
I don't even know, mid late twenties that I was just like, I could finally say like, I don't care what people think. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and, but I mean, even all of us, we probably all still grapple with that. If it's like still judgment or opinions and it's like, that's a really, really hard place to get when you really are just like, I'm owning it. I own who I am. I'm proud of who I am. Take it or leave it. Because that's like a lifelong journey really to get there. And that's, and in high school, man, that's amplified all the more. In high school with, Smartphones, smartphones, and, and rumors, and gossip. Like, girl, we had the flip phone, nine keys that was like took forever to text. There were oh, and I didn't there were no mass. Text. I didn't even have a phone in high school. Oh. <laughs> I didn't. But there were no mass texts back then, which I'm sure issues. What you said, they're telling lies and things to people. Social media. I mean, you mentioned video games. Um, is it just screens in general, like that? You feel like kids kind of try to do to deal with their anxiety or no? So I would say like video games, um, those are more of like a buffer, how we okay. said like a numbing, like an oh, escape. Yeah. An yeah, escape away to their virtual numb world. our emotions. Yeah. But as far as what's actually causing the anxiety, like studies are starting to come out now that it's like, it's not the video games. It's not Disney Plus, it's not Netflix, it's not those things that kids are spending their screen time on, but it's really the social media really? portion of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's like uh, the num- the numbers, the average of teen screen amount of time is like seven to eight hours per day right yeah. now. And it's even more in impoverished families. But really, like it, it really comes down to what are you spending those seven to eight hours on yeah oh yeah tiktok instagram yeah and so studies are showing that the more time you spend on those kind of apps the social media tiktok instagram snapchat all those kind of things um that is increasing the anxiety and depression among interesting and let's dive into that just for a quick minute what do you what do you think is causing the higher levels of anxiety are they just feeling like they're missing out They're They feel less than right when they're seeing and watching. Maybe is it that they post content and it doesn't get traction likes? Like, I'm just curious. I mean, I know where mine now at 37 as a woman, how I view social media. And I don't want to automatically just assume that's what's happening to the teens. Like what, what is their experience? Yeah. So you're actually right. It's it's all of those. It's it's the FOMO. It's knowing that they didn't get invited, seeing images and pictures in such a concentrated form, which then sends the message like I'm I'm not good enough, right? And you have such a concentrated form of being able to compare yourself to other people. Yes. Right. And and then also you get the dopamine hits off of the likes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. There's right. so much dopamine that's involved on social media, right? And validation and relying on that validation really to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. Right. And the the other thing that I did want to mention is when it comes to anxiety, is we in in being authentic is so a lot of times in our teens, like there's inside, there's really one way that we know who we are and we know how we want to be. And we, we really truly know who we are, right? And then 
on the outside, it's like we can't be that person, right? We're trying to please others. We're trying to make other people happy. We're trying to control what other people think about us, right? right, right. And and on the outside, when when we're that person that doesn't match the inside, that just really creates friction. Yes. And that friction is also also cause also causes anxiety. And so just with the whole so with social media, like we're really not putting our authentic person out there on social media. We're right. deciding what people get to see about us. And oh my gosh, you guys, there's so much. Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> but like when we when we decide what people get to see, right? We almost and and we get to see what people want us to see, right? But when we see those things, we have this understanding in our brain that the the other parts of us that we don't want people to see, that's something to be ashamed of, right? And that part of ourselves is not okay to share. Like the part of ourselves that has negative emotion, the part of us that has anxiety, the part of us that is sad. And, and we're training our brains to believe that those parts of us are not okay. And nobody wants to see those parts. And if we have those parts, we're basically unworthy. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, it is. That's like a backwards way of thinking of it, but it is like the shame that we carry with these other things. And then we just get low and beat ourselves up and feel bad about ourselves when every person in the world has the good and the bad. And so it's like not fair for us to think that way. But of course, again, that's kind of like a natural reaction. Sammy, what are signs that we can look for for our teens? Like what are things that maybe when we know it's kind of a little more than just like a stressful day or, you know, maybe some behaviors or, um, you know, red flags that we really feel like, ooh, this is kind of becoming a little more serious that I'm concerned about. Yeah. So teens are very social by nature. They, you look at any teen and like, what's the most important thing to them? Their friends. Yes, <laughs> right, right. That right. friend part of a teen's brain is just like so big. It is. <laughs> in their teen years. And that is like really important to them. So I always tell parents, like if you notice that your teen isn't being social, they're not, they're not attending, you know, things that they used to love or being with friends. And um, that's, that's kind of a big sign. If they're spending a lot of time in their room and they're isolating, if they're avoiding you and they're just avoiding a lot of things in general, um, if you see their grades dropping, mm -hmm. if you just notice they're kind of not, not very happy or they're, you know, I mean, as parents, we kind of know our kids yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. We know that we know their personality. Right. Um, but if you just know that they're just kind of like not really themselves, mm -hmm. like I think those are all like good warning signs to be like, hey, maybe something's going on here and maybe my teen needs some help navigating some of the things that are going on right now. Yeah. Oh, so much to navigate. Oh, my gosh. I mean, at, is there a point, as you said, those things, I also like somehow just coincide that with like almost depression too. Does anxiety correlate with depression? Are they very separate or does anxiety lead to depression very quickly? Or or do you see that? Yeah, they're a package deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. come together. Yeah. So yeah. I I recently had someone say to me that depression is when you look backwards and anxiety is when you look forwards, both oh, in fear. Wow. 
like they're fear-based, but with depression, you tend to like focus and be sad about the past. But then with anxiety, you're fearful or nervous about the future. That's how someone explained it to me recently. That's really an interesting, I love that perspective. But they do live together, like you said. (laughs) Yes, they do live together. I kind of like to think of depression as a lack of self-compassion, which would totally go along with what you're saying about the past is like, we are not being compassionate for ourselves at all, understanding or loving ourselves or, you know, we're just kind of like beating ourselves up basically. Right. Totally. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's powerful. I love that. So what, what's a type of coping skill that you might hear on your podcast or from a life coach? So really, um, the way I describe it is it's, we're rewiring a teen's brain, right? Where when we when we have a thought and we've thought it so many times, like it really cre- it creates a neuro connection inside our brains, right? And after we think that so many times, it actually becomes a a super highway, right? So so if we if we constantly have the thought like I'm not good enough, right? Our brain's going to stop like thinking that consciously and it's just going to be an auto thought. Right. So the brain won't have to work anymore to think I'm not good enough. Like Mm -hmm. it's just going to throw that thought in there. Right. And so really with with the teens that I work with, like we go through and we really discover why are they feeling anxiety? Like what are the thoughts that they are thinking that are creating the anxiety? Right. Because our thoughts create our feelings. And if we can work on changing those thoughts, then we can work on changing the way that we feel. And so it's actually a very cool, it's actually a very cool thing is like our brain is neuroplastic and our brain can be changed and rewired. And so we work on changing those thoughts. And sometimes I'm like, it bugs me a little bit. Like when, when I go like into a high school classroom or something and they're like, just think positive or yeah. think this or whatever. I'm like, yes. you guys, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Your brain's not going to go from like, I'm not good enough to I'm the most beautiful girl in the world. Right? right. That's not how our brains work. Like our brains are really smart and they're like on to us. So like we just may have to pick like a 1% less worse thought. And help our brain get to there and then easily, no, not easily, but like slowly transition our brains to starting to believe something else. Like, it's possible. Maybe I am good enough. Right. And then helping our brain start to collect evidence for that new thought is very key when we try to start thinking a new thought because our brain, our brain wants to be right. And so anytime we think a thought like, I'm not good enough, what's our brain going to do? Our brain is going to go into collecting all this evidence to help us believe and keep believing that we're not good enough, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. But it reminds me of kind of your your principle you were talking about, the 1% per day from the atomic... I read Atomic Habits. Yes. James Clear. Yes. yes. Kind it's of that so good. theory of 1% each day. Yeah. If we can just make a better thought, a conscious choice of like a little bit every day, it just eventually creates that 100%. And then they are thinking differently. So that's so huge. I mean, how can... Maybe if we know this runs in our family, maybe we're hitting the preteen stage and we just kind of want to get in front of it because we know you're right. Honestly, we're probably all going to be touched by this in some way with our young people, our teenagers, even maybe in our college students. But like, 
How can we get in front of it? Is there a certain language we can use now to kind of help our kids, a certain way we approach things? Or is it kind of, I don't know, luck of the draw? I mean, just yeah. My- and, I mean, would you start talking about it now? Anxiety with nine-year-old, what it is and like those feelings, like when they have those self-doubt, self-hatred feelings to recognize them and stop down to where those pathways try to not get so But even created. before that, like I, what I'm even meaning, is there a way for us as mothers to help our kids create a healthier way of thinking? Like even right. as they're little kids, like is there, or no, like it's kind of the brain's going to do what it's going to do and they are who they are. It's kind of pre-wired, like you said, but is there a way we can at this stage in life while they're younger, like almost productively talk and confront issues that maybe will help them later. Yeah. So I think as a parent, there's so much that you can do. And understanding that our brain's default is to constantly be looking for what's wrong. That's Mm -hmm. how we're wired. That's how we have survived. That's how we've evolved. Okay. And so my eight-year-old, like he's starting to say, I hate myself. I'm like, oh. okay, that's just his brain. Like yes, <laughs> his brain right. is looking right. for all the things that's wrong. And like, I'm sure you guys can re- relate. Like you take your kids to Disneyland and then like the next thing is they're like, mom, when are, when are we, <laughs> when are you going to get me this? Or when are we going to do oh, that? Right. Like, this our, ungrateful aspect. You're like, yes. what? <laughs> <laughs> like, like our brains, that's just what they do. They constantly look for what's wrong. And so that's what they will do with ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. They will constantly look at the things that are wrong with ourselves, mm-hmm. all right? And if if we don't train our brains to do something else rather than look for the things that are wrong with us, that's what it's going to focus on. And so it's really helping kids train their brains to look at things from a different perspective. I love parenting from curiosity, Mm-hmm. Right? where where you just open up the conversation with your your kid or your teen doesn't matter how old they are but like what's up yeah right, right. just getting curious okay so the, so i think that is the first step is just being like hey tell me what's going on right the second part is they're going to hopefully tell you something right they're mm-hmm. going to give you a thought or they're going to give you an emotion And here's the thing about emotions and thoughts. Well, here's the thing about emotions is emotions don't discriminate. We are all susceptible to any type of emotion at any time. All right. And so any emotion is okay to feel and it's valid. So validating that they're feeling a certain emotion. The other thing is, is like any thought is okay to think, right? We're not judging the thought of our kids. We're, we're being like, yeah, that, that's a thought in your brain, right? Yeah, no, I, and, yeah. And, and I like having those conversations with the child because then it's kind of, like you said, validating them and you're kind of working through it together. And that's what I was kind of like looking for. Like, is that going to be helpful and productive for them to kind of, as mom is helping me talk this through, like this thought, she's validating, we're questioning, we're analyzing, but then hopefully maybe we'll help them later be able to do that on their own. And when these little thoughts provoke in their minds that it's, like you said, I love that, train your brain. Train your brain to be like, that's not really the picture that's being painted. That's just what I'm telling myself. And I've got to think, Positive. I got to think positive, sort of. Oh, my God. Be positive. Be positive. Oh, my gosh. 
Oh, well, I, I, that's, that's really what coaching is. It is training your brain. The purpose of coaching is to not remove discomfort from our kids' lives and to not change their circumstances so they don't feel anxiety or they don't feel disappointment or they don't feel jealous or awkward or rejection, right? The whole point of coaching our kids through their emotions is helping them to move through the discomfort and knowing that, hey, I can feel all of these things and I know I'm still going to be okay, Right. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to handle the discomfort because we all are going to feel uncomfortable at some point in our lives and knowing how to handle that is very, very important. And we don't want to spoon feed them like we want them to have this skill on their own. So helping them like, okay, this is this is these are some of the thoughts that you're thinking right now about this certain situation. Are there some different ways we can think about this, Mm -hmm. right? And letting them come up with the thoughts, right? They may come up with a thought that we totally think is like, uh, that's not the right thought. (laughs) Right, right. 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 But if it works for them and it works for their brain, like. We can support that. Totally support that. Just because their brains are different than ours. And so with someone who had, with a teen who does have like social anxiety or something, I mean, I'm just curious. Again, I'm trying to get a very like clear picture. Are are there like specific tasks like that you would give them to like help them be comfortable or is it more just opening dialogue up and helping them like reframe that conversation in their head? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Or is it actually like physiological things that you're advising them to do like eat, like eating good or uh, you understand what I mean? Like, or is it all just kind of talking dialogue things? So like that? it's both. Like I, I have kids with anxiety. So a lot of times instead of like working on our thoughts, we just expose them to certain situations, right? Where like you go and just, instead of like hiding in the classroom, eating lunch by yourself, you take your lunch and maybe you just walk through the cafeteria, right? You don't have to say hi to anybody. Like you just walk through one end and you walk through the other and you go out the door and then maybe you go back to your classroom. (laughs) No, but that's like a good exercise to like one step forward, right? Yeah, like not only are we working on the brain part of it, but we're exposing them to the things in a manner that they can handle. Yes. Right? We're exposing them to the things that like we where we eventually want to get them to be able to go eat inside the cafeteria. Yes. Right? That's oh gosh. if that's what they want. Maybe they don't want to go inside and eat in the cafeteria with a bunch of whatever losers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever they say it is. Right, right. But right. I guarantee you like a teen isn't happy sitting in a classroom by themselves probably eating lunch. Right, being alone. Yeah. Right. It is such I mean gosh, when you were even just kind of going down the lineup of like what are people going to say? What are they going to like my outfit? Am I going to pass this test? Like it is so hard. And then like the social media just amplifies all of it 10 times more. And I just, it is, our teens are up against a lot. And actually what came to mind too also was kind of like, I used to work for a nonprofit many moons ago um, that was like based on um, kind of like preventative education on drug and drugs and alcohol for especially teens. And that was like a big angle. I remember learning up front that like the frontal lobe of your brain is not developed into your early twenties. And that's like why the drinking age is 21, because it's like, you're not making smart choices for yourself and you can't think 
like as logically, you're not seeing the big picture here. If you're going to choose to drink alcohol or partake of this drug or start smoking weed, it's just, it. you think you want to try it. You think you want to be cool, but you have no idea if you're going to be that addictive personality that you're hooked or then it's, you have to impress people every weekend and drink and all these things. And it's so much to consume. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, just avoid it. Just say no, just say no. And so, but I mean, that is just, that's just one perspective, one angle, one avenue of choices those kids have to make. It's like saying no to drugs and alcohol, uh, saying no to your boyfriend, you know, passing your test, getting into college, you know, driving safely, you know, attending your church activities, like being this really stellar kid. And it's so much like so even hearing much. it it's like oh man we what just, did we sign them we up have for the work cut out for I us know. but this is all so so productive and helpful and you're doing such amazing things oh my gosh yeah and then just one thing i wanted to add on to that is like you take a teen who already struggles with social anxiety and you make them walk through the cafeteria and with social anxiety, we feel like there is a spotlight on us. Oh, I bet. <laughs> right. right. Everyone's yeah. eyes are turning like in the movies. He's here and he's walking down that aisle. Slow-mo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so just being able to deal with all the perceptions in your brain of what are people thinking of me right now? What are they saying about me? Like all with, with social anxiety, we just have a bunch of flooding thoughts in there. Mm-hmm. So just like exposing a, a teen to just that little baby step. Yeah, yeah. A baby step and helping their brain be like, Oh my gosh, I was able to walk through the cafeteria and I'm still alive. And it's not that scary. Right. I'm okay. It, right. Not the end of the world. Yeah. And I'm one step forward, like in and, the direction. Yeah. And people are allowed to judge you. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do about that. And they're going to judge us regardless. <laughs> right. Right. They are. They right. Are. And there's just, you know, that's one of those things that we, we can't control and teaching teaching teens what you really actually can control and what you can't control. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, as parents though, I mean, I know you hit on this really briefly. I just want to circle back around to it. Like what perspective can we take or how, how do we parent best for if any of this sounds familiar where your child might be showing some signs that Sammy's talking about here or some of these situations, like, as parents, how can we best serve them right now to help them through it? Yeah. So as somebody who has always struggled with anxiety, my kids' anxiety triggers my anxiety. Of course. Yeah, sure. I get, I get that. I get that. It's like when I see them having anxiety, it's like then I get really, really anxious and I'm like, oh, no. Um, but one thing that I like to work with, with the parents that I'm working with is really parenting from the perspective of my kid's going to be okay. Right. And you get to decide what okay means for you and your teen. Right. But when, when we have that belief of my teen or my kid is going to be okay. Right. That that thought, that belief, it really creates more of a calm and a comforting feeling in our bodies. And when we can parent from calm and comforting, we're more patient. We're more able to listen. We're less willing to internalize what's going on with them and make it mean something about us and like what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Um, and 
you know, I don't know if you guys have these thoughts, but like, I'm not a good enough parent uh, <laughs> all oh, the time. Geez. Right. All I overreacted. I just, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Or we don't, we don't have that like automatic voice in our heads. Like it's your fault. Right. And you need to fix this. Whereas like, if, if we believe that they're going to be okay, we, we can get curious. We can ask our teens questions. We can problem solve so much better and help them problem solve rather than like being emotional. And so I think if, if we just know that our kids are going to be okay, right? They have a lot pushing against them, but you guys, they are going to be okay. Right. Absolutely. It is. They do rise to the occasion and it is like so impressive when you just see the young people just thrive. And there are so many wonderful examples. Like I have a babysitter that she just graduated and she's like, just so awesome. And you're like, wow, if I can like make a teen like that, I'll be just so proud because she's so incredible. And there are, there's so many incredible young people and they do, they show up, they do it, they shine, they do their best. And that's all we could ask for. I know. I totally agree. I have so many cute teens in my life too, who I just adore and have really just helped me out so much and are just wonderful. And I know there's hope. I'm literally over here, like twitching as we speak. (laughs) Triggered. I know, I know, I know. And it's important to talk about the real stuff. It's like not, you know, it's, it's hard and it's, you got to like face it head on. And I really appreciate you coming, Sammy, because I really think it's just a great reminder to be in tune to these things and to kind of be aware what to look for. Hopefully get in front of it too, as you kind of approach these, you know, crazy teen adolescent years that maybe it's things that you can help cultivate, but then you know what, if it's happening and it's there and it runs in the family and we maybe as mom, we struggle with it. These are really great things and important things. And you actually have a really great um, webinar coming up here. Tell us about that, that, you know, moms can go register, register and tune in for. Yeah. So May 11th at 4.30 PM Pacific standard time, I'm doing a webinar. It's titled Helping Your Teen Navigate Social Media. Perfect. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. Huge. Yeah. So I know as parents, like we just really just want to take away the phone. Right. And a lot of times that causes more problems than what we're trying to solve. And so it's really helping your teen navigate social media without taking away their phone because you guys, social media is not going anywhere anytime soon. No, I totally agree. We need to start educating our kids and teens on how to navigate social media so that it's not causing anxiety and depression. And um, it's really just, it really is just about educating and helping parents learn how to help their teens. So there's not that like constant conflict where, I mean, I even hear from teens, it's like, the adults in my life always tell me I'm on my phone all the time. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. They're like, they're tired of being labeled like that, yes. right? Um, but but also we we need to start empowering our teens, mm-hmm. and and that's the other part of social media is nobody's teaching them how to use social media so that it benefits them in their lives. Oh, Absolutely. I love that. Oh, that's I do a good love angle. that. That is a great I angle because it's not going away. You know, like right. it's only going to get more pervasive, I'm sure. If it's not Instagram, it's going to be something else or TikTok. I mean, yeah, I love that. Help okay, them have one, skills. One last question, and I'm, I'm springing this on you, Uh-oh. so you may not have Uh-oh. an answer. Uh-huh. But if you had to suggest an appropriate age 
for a young person to start doing social media, if that's set up an account or like viewing, consuming Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, with like that, all that knowledge in the brain development and all that, like what, or, or maybe like what you do in your home, what is that age? <laughs> I know that's a big, that's a big thing. I'm just curious in your professional opinion. I know we have 12 year olds that have it. Mm-hmm. I know we have 10 year olds that have it. And we have 18 year olds that still don't have it. Yeah. So it's like everywhere question. across the board. Yeah. But like, what have you found works well for you maybe? Wow. So my son, my 14 year old, he has a gab phone. He does yep. he doesn't okay. have social so media. He doesn't have it. Right. Okay. No. Um, and I, I, do you think there'll be a number when you will allow him to start like seeing and maybe doing that or is it we'll take it as it comes yeah so one thing is he doesn't have a desire yeah right and so I haven't had to cross that bridge with him my my 11 and 12 year old girls they have the desire yeah isn't right? that interesting they, they right. want it and so I I don't know what the right answer for that is I am gonna make my girls before they do social media take my social media skills class for teens yeah. I love that <laughs> like Perfect. connected and in control I'm like before Perfect. you get to before you even get on social media you have to take my course I don't care if I'm your mom you still, <laughs> you still I love have it. to take the Absolutely. course yeah. Um, I like how you said use it in a positive way because I mean let's be real people have used Instagram yeah as businesses business fronts it grows their businesses they're almost in the in lieu of like a website these days so it's like it is such a powerful resource and there is so much opportunity with it but just right handled right and understanding like I think boundaries and age appropriate and all of those things so I do totally agree that it needs to be propelled in like a positive way and I like that you're educating them about it because it is the equivalent of literally throwing them out there to the world when you give them that phone. I mean, we just heard the predator episode. We, we talked about that, how a predator had like connected on, on TikTok which is, and, and Roblox, Roblox and it, like, a, a young kid's game yeah. and got her to get a TikTok account. So and then like, they communicated there. It's like, right. There's you're, you're just opening them up to this like huge, huge, huge world of good and bad possibilities right, right. and just letting them know up front, like there are bad sides to it, but there's also awesome sides. You get to see your cousins in Georgia and connect with grandma in Texas or whatever, right? But like laying that out for them, explaining that. Because we talk about this on our podcasts a lot. Well, occasionally, not a lot. But just how like, I think sometimes as parents, we can take for granted what our kids should know, right? Just especially as teens. I know I do it with my nine-year-old all the time. Like I just have an expectation that she knows how to do something or how to behave in a certain scenario or something like that. But then when I step back, I'm like, wait, I don't know if I've stopped down and ever really laid out the expectation here and explained it. I And so I think it's kind of similar with social media. It's such an integrated part of our days and lives now. And they've seen us do it probably from the time they've been born, been scrolling Instagram and doing all the things, posting, taking pictures. They pro- We probably might assume, oh, they get it. Like, I don't need a conversation about this. But I love what you said. They need to have some education about it before. For sure. Love yeah. that. I so, wish I had some education about uh, it before right. I knew what I was getting. Oh, all <laughs> We were just right? the beta testers. All <laughs> we, our generation. We absolutely were. Wow. But we came out on top, guys. We, we came out on okay. the other side. So I guess it can be it done, It will right? be okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That is your motto. It will be okay. Well, I don't, 
I'm I'm very on to my brain, but like I'll sit down and I'll scroll social media for like five minutes and I'll walk away and I'm like, I feel so horrible about myself right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. And that <laughs> and, is a common response. A lot of women feel that way. Like, yeah. I'm not making enough money. I'm not cute enough. I'm not skinny enough. Right. I'm like not all the things or my husband's not handsome enough or why am I not? Why am I not always on why vacation? Why do my abs not look like that? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And why does she not have stretch marks on her thighs? <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. But, but I know, I know that going into social yeah. media, like I'm yes. onto my brain. Like I know my brain's going to feed me that after yep. I look at social media. So I'm like, yep. okay, let me step back. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. Right. But a lot of teens, they don't, they don't know that even adults don't know that. Um, and so just, if you're going to, if you're going to use it, I think you need to be educated. And also going back to the age that you asked me, like every, every kid and every teen is different. I, I guess I, I agree. Yeah. I can't yeah. really say like, it is true. you know, 14 is an okay age to start social media. Like I, I really think it's, it's under parent discretion, but I think the more important thing is if your teen is going to use it, that they need to have the education in order to be able to use it responsibly. How do you feel about some of these um, policies and things that some families do, like a technology contract or do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I've tried them okay. and they've never worked for me. Really? Okay. <laughs> it sounds lofty to me, I'll be honest, but I love the concept of like, we're going to put something in writing. You're going to sign it, this or that. Um, I was just curious. Yeah. yeah. So, so along with that is like, anytime we set an expectation for a kid that adds more onto a parent's plate. So not only have we set the expectation for our child, but also we've given us something else to uphold another responsibility that we need to take care of and monitor and watch. And so when we set those expectations, we need to be able to follow through, follow through. Yeah. Right. And so as a parent, if you're, if you're going to give your kids social media, you need to be able to have in your bandwidth, the ability to follow up, the ability to look at what they're looking on social media, right. follow their account, like just keep checking in. Right. And that's why, that's why contracts haven't worked with me and my kids is because I'm like, I got too much going on to like or like I'll be laying right. in bed at midnight and I'm like, I probably should go check if he's on his iPad or has his iPad in his room. And I'm just like, yes. I don't care. <laughs> I know. Oh right? my gosh. So, so it is true. It's, it's just like another, it's re- another commitment, layer. responsibility. And, yeah. and so I would just say as parents, until you're ready to take on that extra responsibility of monitoring the social media use, then I wouldn't give your kid social media either. Like, cause That's it really point. does need to That's be monitored point. by a parent. That's a great point. When you're ready you, to take that on, they might be ready to. So you do agree with that, that I, cause I would say I can guess there are people out there who are like, I don't want to infringe on their privacy or whatever. You do think as a parent should be monitoring their child. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. I'll and be in reading your DMs. I'll yeah. be following you. And at any point, I will delete it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's me. That's not, that, that is not professional advice. That is me. She's. <laughs> I, I love it. say so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll be following you. And oh, so will all your totally. aunts and uncles. Yeah. So you be aware what the world but is. What seeing. if they block you, girl? That's what I'm saying. Oh, if they so, block me, then it's gone. Like uh, oh, teens, absolutely. teens are so smart. Like I think back to back being a teen, and I knew 
every way around any kind of rule. Oh, see, I didn't. Oh, I did. Oh, Are you I did kidding not. me? I was on Napster on all the illegal <laughs> chat rooms doing all the things, oh, pirating music left and right. Pirating music. On I that dial-up internet all day long. <laughs> no, but I feel like my parents, like, just, yeah, trusted me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's part of being a teen too. Like I could share my teen stories with you also. I think one thing as when we're parenting, we are afraid of our kids' emotions. And so we parent from a place where we're scared. And like if we need to monitor them or say maybe we want to take the phone away because we know that what they're doing on it isn't appropriate, like we don't end up doing that just because they're going to like our teens going to like freak out or they're going to be upset or they're going to think that I'm the worst mom in the world where we have to stop parenting our teens because we're afraid of the emotions that they're going to have really yeah. and the worst thing that's going to happen when you parent a teen is that they're going to have an emotion they may hate you they may yell at you all those kind of things but emotions are okay yes yeah and I valid, agree. you said and earlier, valid, right? And they're nothing to be afraid of, <laughs> yep. right? No, I, I, again, I see me doing that with my four and five, my five year old, where when I take TV away because or Nintendo because he threw it across the room, it's like punishment on me now because now I've got a screaming, angry kid. You know what I mean? It's the exact same concept. It's just funny. And you do just want some peace. That's all us parents want, right? It's just peace. Happiness in the home. Can we just all be happy? Can't we all be happy? Oh, my gosh. Well, thanks so much for joining, Sammy. Tell everybody where they can find you. If they want to learn more, listen to the podcast. Give us a rundown. Yeah. So my podcast is the Teen Life Coach Podcast. And you can find that on all podcast platforms. I'm on Instagram at the Teen Life Coach. And my website is knowingup.com. So like growing up, but knowing up, like we're working on our brains. I love that. Love it. And your webinar again is on May 11th. Yes, May 11th, 4.30 Pacific Standard Time. I will send you the registration link for that if you can put that in the show notes. So people... Parents can go register is for that. Free or does it? Yes, cost? it's free. Oh, fun! Free for okay, parents. Good. That's awesome. Excellent. You guys go check it out for sure. There's a wealth of information out there, and I do think this is just such a good conversation to have. I hate the word normalize. I really hate that word. But to kind of normalize anxiety a little bit, I think it gets overused. The word, but I do think there's a stigma to it to some degree, and that some, like you said especially on social media, we don't like talking about the uncomfortable things or the hard things. We we might not want people to know our children struggle with that or that you struggle with that. And I think it's good to talk about it and not just suffer in silence, you know? So this is such a good dialogue. Thank you so much. Lauren, is there anything else? No, I as well. I just think this is a, she's a wealth of knowledge here and we're so glad she could come and be sure to tune into her podcast too. If like, maybe this does hit home for you. I'm sure there's a lot of, um, you know, advice and knowledge there. So go check out her podcast. All right, Sammy. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. Oh, it was so fun. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye-bye.